Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media in America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, Topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. You are joining us for episode 104, Being a Soulpreneur with guest Michelle Norris. This word, soulpreneur, may sound new, and frankly, it might even be made up. I don't know. (laughs) But the concept of following your life mission or balancing your soul purpose with your business is oh so real and something that resonates so strongly with me and everything I do with Naturally Nourished. Yes, this reminds me a lot of episode way back 43 that we called Allie's Recalibration and reminds me of your sharing of that time of transition with the business and what was going on with you at a time. So this will be a less sciencey episode for sure and more of a philosophical, I guess we could call it, Yes. <laughs> focus today. Yeah. Definitely <laughs> spiritual. And regardless of if you're someone listening that is looking to make a career change, um, pursue your passion project and make that a business or whether you are dealing with personal struggles of growth, or even within, as we discussed today, your healing journey, barriers and areas that you need to have breakthroughs, there'll be a lot of concepts. And um, Michelle is just a a wonderful source of wisdom. I told her at the end that I wanted her to be my Yoda. So (laughs) yes, definitely. There seems to be an evolving level. And I've noticed this personally of, of defining self-protection while pursuing passion and um, working with that authenticity principle that doesn't allow this perpetuating burnout. Um, And when I heard Michelle talk at CIC Austin, which is the Creative Intersection Collective group, um, I really felt connected to her story. I had goosebumps at the end of her lecture on being a soulpreneur. She spoke about the loss of her daughter, which she'll share with you guys today. And, um, it, that really hit me strong. It was one of the first events I had left Stella as a new mama and uh, left her with Brady that night. And, um, I, I really felt compelled to share Michelle's story on how passion and how vision can provoke growth and community and, um, really rebirth in many ways. Yeah, she's got an amazing story and a lot of layers, as you guys will hear. Um, and I, I briefly met Michelle at PaleoFX this year when you spoke, Allie, but I'm really excited to hear more of her story and share it with listeners by bringing her on. So I'll go ahead and do the formal thing and read her bio and we will get right into it. Michelle Norris is a former corporate warrior, trained chef, and multi-potentialite who whose previous health issues and an extended battle with traditional medicine advice inspired her to upend the way the world tackles health, wellness, and prosperity. She soon became one of the most outspoken paleo evangelists, then co-founded and is now CEO of PaleoFX, the largest paleo health and wellness event in the world. 
She's a passionate speaker, motivator, and guiding light to those seeking deliverance from a broken economic and healthcare system. Having survived the death of her 22-year-old daughter, Michelle knows what it's like to fight back from paralyzing loss. Instead of floundering in self-pity, she used tragedy as a catalyst for her put up or shut up and follow through with her vision of leaving the economic status quo behind and becoming a self-made entrepreneur. All of this at the pit of the house market crash, housing market crash in 2008. Um, her belief is that you can always find beauty among the ashes. So welcome, Michelle. We're so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome. So we're so pumped to have you here. Um, let's just dive right in and start with, I love this, this concept. Let's start with what is a solopreneur? Wow. Um, okay. So a solopreneur, <laughs> um, uh, you know, we all know what an entrepreneur is. So an entrepreneur is driven by metrics that are completely different than those of someone that's a solopreneur. So, you know, the metrics for, of a solopreneur would be, you know, contribution versus distribution. Um, so we are all about adding value to people's lives versus providing self-serving information or um, distributing whatever it is that we have to distribute to, to people. Um, this is the thing. We want to make sure whatever it is that we are distributing is of contribution and is of value to people. Um, a lot of people in entrepreneurship are just concerned about what is it that they're selling or what is it that they're, you know, getting out there. We're, we're also more interested in our impact than our revenue. Um, we are, we look at the metric of transformation of lives versus our bottom line or what, what our revenue is. Um, we also are concerned more about our legacy than of chasing what, what the, the next trend is so that we can get on that wagon and, and bring in, um, you know, whatever might be driving people to spend their money. We're more concerned about, um, you know, a lasting worthwhile endowment, uh, a body of work that's going to change lives beyond our lifetime versus just going after the things of this moment um, in the quest for uh, almighty dollar. Um, this one is a really, the, the next one is really probably one of the most important to me specifically. Um, it's, um, I've done a lot of plant medicine work and this one actually came to me in a, in a ceremony. And, um, so I am far more concerned about influence than control. Um, one of the I want to dig into that, Michelle, because that resonated yeah. with me so strong. When I heard you talk, I was like, oh. Yeah. So um, that's a big deal because I think particularly as women in positions of power or in leadership, we tend to operate from, uh, we, we tend to operate in the masculine instead of feminine. And the problem is, is that when we try to operate masculine, it's not obviously native to who we are. It's not authentic to who we are. So we don't do it correctly and we end up alienating people or um, making people, um, we repel people. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we end up not being the type of leaders that anybody wants to follow. And that's the difference I think between having influence or being in control is that if you have influence, you're going to, you, people are going to respect you and want to follow you 
you will influence them. But if you are in control, people tend to not want to be controlled and they don't want to follow somebody that is controlling. And so, um, I think, um, you know, your influence comes out of respect and honor and, um, you earn it. And, um, control is a power play. So one of the things that I used to do um, years ago um, before I started plant medicine and realized that this was something that was really a problem for me was that I would make decisions and I would say, well, we're doing it this way because I am the CEO, because I am in charge, because I'm in control. And that's not a way to have people in your business that want to build your business um, if you don't allow them to have any autonomy and you don't have, allow them to have any kind of say so over what it is that they're doing on a daily basis, if you're trying to micromanage or control all of that, and that was one of the things that I did, I was definitely in my own way. Um, so that's a big thing. Um, we're more about, um, operating from a place of higher purpose and consciousness and through self-development than we are, um, in the herd mentality and being a sheep and being, um, uh, we want to lead, you, you know, we want to lead, we're not led. And so the problem is, is that not everybody can be leaders, but we, um, so that there tends to be this herd mentality of everybody just follows, you know, one person or what have you. And my belief is that there is a way to have everybody leading themselves and yeah. everybody still going in the same direction. And I think that's through higher consciousness and through personal self-development and and becoming a better person every single day. So um, we're also abundant mindset, not the scarcity mindset. We always believe that there's room for improvement um, versus imposing limiting beliefs on our success or others. We're, we're positive versus negative. And um, so those are the really the key metrics of a solopreneur. Um, like I said, at the end of the day, we are more concerned about the impact and contribution we are having to other people's lives and in changing other people's lives than we are about, you know, cost analysis, revenue streams, or our bottom line. So you have a really solid <laughs> definition, Michelle. <Yeah. laughs> Let's talk about the evolution of that. And, um, you know, so you shared a part of the control, which I think is so true. And within my personal story, it's that classic thing, right? Of like the hand in the pickle jar and you hold on to all the pickles, you can't pull your hand out. <laughs> so there has to be that, that release to allow expansion and, and growth, which, which really resonates strongly with me as an, as an entrepreneur and hopeful soulpreneur. I love the, the concepts behind all of the pillars, if you will. Let's talk about the process of, you know, coming from, I guess, 2008 onward, did these things kind of layer? What was, when did the vision become actualized? And, and let's talk a little bit about that. Well, let's see. So um, really the soulpreneur piece of this really has come about in the last three years of really recognizing that that's what we were doing. We, we've been doing it for a lot longer than we recognized what it was um, or put a name to it or put any kind of definition to it. Um, the thing is, is that when we decided to begin PaleoFX, PaleoFX is definitely a, a was a solopreneurship. This, a biz, this was not a business for us. It was, um, we saw a need in the marketplace and we filled the need. And our whole thing was, so it's kind of a funny, funny situation because 
we just, the big thing for us was how many lives can we change? How many people can we get this information into the hands of? And how, how many people can we get to this place? And can we just, can we just cover the, the costs? That was really how, sure, that was sure. the business model for Paleo FX was as long as it broke even, we were okay. Uh-huh. We, didn't, we didn't care. Now we didn't break even, went into debt our first year. That left Keith and I in personal debt. Um, because we took on all the debt of Palofax ourselves. And so um, the, the following year, we really actually did Palofax the second year to try to make sure we could recoup the losses of the first year and then just see, if is this something that's viable? Because this is something that we can do and that, you know, we can create change in the world and um, create lasting change. And is this something that people want? And the resounding answer was yes. Um, people wanted this information. People wanted to be there. People wanted to connect. They wanted to, um, you know, we're tribal um, yeah. at the end of the day. We want to have community. We want people that are like-minded um, in our corner. And we want to spend time with those people because they make us feel um, like we belong and they make us feel like we are normal because everybody out there knows that everybody that's in the paleosphere <laughs> shape or form is not our, we're not normal. And, um, and not? I'm, I'm all for that. I don't want to be normal because normal is very average. I want to be, uh, um, I want to be higher than average. I, right. I don't think that I was, I, I don't think I was put on this earth to be average or to be, um, less than what I can be. And so, um, me striving for normal or average is just not something that's ever going to happen. And, um, so like I said, we, Pillow FX started really as a solopreneurship when we didn't even recognize or have a definition for that or know what it was. It was um, a passion project per se, filling a, 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 a need, a void. It was definitely a passion project and we, um, it was definitely a labor of <laughs> labor of love for sure. So when, um, when we, things changed in 2014, we got involved with another company called ID Life and our business is ID Life Wellness. And we, um, we got involved in it because we saw another path to changing lives. Um, and so we were at the, um, they have an annual event and um, Keith and I actually didn't want to go to this event because we were kind of thinking um, ID Life Wellness is a network marketing company. And so um, we kind of thought that it would be just this big rah-rah thing. And we, so we were not really that interested in going, but one of the, um, one of the executives of the company said, well, you have to come. You're one of the top, you're, we're one of the leaders. You have to be there. And so we thought, okay, we'll come make a showing and then we'll leave. That's mm -hmm. kind of what thought. Well, we were offered this training because we were leaders in the company. Um, we were offered this um, training with Darren Hardy. And um, for those of you who are not familiar with Darren Hardy, he is the former editor of Success Magazine, and he has interviewed every successful person pretty much on the planet. So he's, um, he's, a, he's an amazing person. And so we had this opportunity to meet him personally and get it you know, some one-on-one -on -one time with him. And so he started asking us about our business. We were telling him about it and he asked, well, you know, is it, is it successful? And we were like, well, you know, we're really more concerned about, you know, just as long as it may, it pays the bills and it, it breaks even, we're okay. And he said, 
and he kind of said, well, what's your point in doing this? And we were like, we want to change people's lives. We want people to get healthy, to be empowered, to create, you know, healthy, vibrant, fulfilled lives. And he said, okay. He said, can I tell y'all something? And you just be open to it. He goes, and just, just think about it for, for a minute. And I was like, sure. And he said, it's great that you are mission motivated, that you are not money motivated. He said, but if you make more money, you can change more lives. You will have a bigger platform and you will be able to reach more people. He goes, just think about it. And I was like, okay. And then we thought about it and we came back and we changed all of our businesses, not just not just um, Paleo FX and ID Life, but we were also involved in efficient exercise at the time and our other businesses, we came back and we kind of changed everything, the way that we approached everything. And that was when Paleo FX actually became a business. And we realized that we could change a lot more people's lives. We could hire people, they, we could give them an opportunity to be part of something bigger than themselves, something that was changing thousands of people's lives every year. And so um, that's when it really changed. And um, it actually became a true business. It had budgets. We stuck to budgets and we did all of that. But at the end of the day, our still measurement stick was how many people's lives are we changing? Sure. Who, are, who is our audience? Who are our avatars? And, and what are we doing for them that no one else can do? And so that's when we realized we, we started recognizing that this was really a solopreneurship because we were still of the mindset it would be great if if the event made great money but at the end of the day we were still in that mindset of as long as we were changing people's lives and we were paying the bills we would continue to do it um even if it didn't we didn't make money doing it and i think it's really important for people listening because a lot of our audience is you know, private practice physicians, dietitians, chiropractors, health coaches. And I think that struggle with, I think a lot of them have these ideals and ethos and the, the monetization can be such a struggle that can be such a barrier for success. Um, you know, assigning your value as a practitioner, if you will. Um, and I think it's really powerful to hear that, that breaking through that does not necessarily exclude the, the, providing for your community and being a healer, being someone that shares message and, and passion, but can actually expand it. Uh, no, I completely agree. And this is the thing we, um, you know, Pill FX has been fundamentally successful from day one. Financially, it has not always been very successful. Um, we've managed to be able to pay bills um, over the years and everything, but it's one of those things that we believe honestly that it is such a contribution to the community that it's something we can't not do. Even when it's um, the last two years, it has gone into pretty serious debt. Um, we've bailed ourselves out of it, but it's gone into pretty serious debt. And that's because the event is very expensive to put on, especially sure. at caliber and that we want to continue to put it on. We don't want to just keep delivering the same thing year after year. We want it to be different every single year and that costs money. And so the thing is, is that we believe though at the end of the year, at, when we get, we see, okay, well, we actually didn't make any money this year, but we have the ability to keep going and we have the ability to actually 
keep changing people's lives and, and what are all the wins that we had. Our wins are about what happened for the people that were there, for our audience, what happened for our sponsors, what happened for our exhibitors. Um, those are the things that we look for, what happened for our speakers. Um, and those are our real true, we, obviously we track metrics. We're not, I mean, like I said, it is a business, but those are not the ones that end up ultimately being the most important to me and Keith. I can honestly tell you that I am not, I, as a CEO, I'm probably not a very typical CEO. Most CEOs know exactly the dollar amount that they're at, at any given time. And if they're on budget or if they're under or if they're over or whatever the case may be, I don't. I, I, that's not the metrics I look at. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, on like probably once or twice a month, I, I really do know whether or not we are on track, but that's not my metric. That's not what I look at. And, um, and like I said, I'm more about how many people's lives are we going to change than I am about how much money is going to ultimately come in. I want to make sure everybody that works for me gets paid. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> if I don't get paid. I don't get paid. And that's okay. I'm okay with it as long as we are still changing lives. I love that. And I love just hearing about the evolution of, you know, the work you've been doing and, and your message. And um, I'd love to just backtrack a teensy bit and talk about what actually led you and Keith to paleo and kind of how you realized that this was a way of life that could change so many lives. Um, wow. So that's been a long, that was a long time ago. Right? <laughs> um, back in the dial up days, um, Keith was, um, has always experimented with some type of nutrition. He's been a former bodybuilder. He's always been very curious about the way that he can manipulate his body through what he eats or how he works out. And so he's always been one of those experiments. He's been a biohacker since long before we knew what a biohacker was. And so um, he's always experimented with this. But back in the dial-up days, he was online talking to Rob Wolf and Art Devaney. And Rob and Art were talking to him about this paleo diet thing. And Keith was actually doing some research because he was coaching a uh, wrestling coach. Um, and was trying to help him figure out how to keep his team when they were out of season closer to season type um, uh, condition. And so he was online checking all of this stuff out and he came across Rob and Art and was talking to them and they started telling him about the paleo diet. So Keith is one to always try things himself first to see if it works and he tried it. <laughs> And what he noticed pretty quickly on was that he stopped having sugar crashes, like, you know, the up and the down. And now we ate what I believe was very, very healthy at the time. Um, we didn't eat a typical, um, you know, standard American diet or sad diet. We um, didn't eat a lot of processed foods. We didn't eat a lot of junk food. We, um, it, there was in the occasional, you know, Taco Bell or whatever, which, you know, I would curse that now. We would occasionally have Taco Bell every once in a while or a Wendy's or something like that um, during season, during our, our, our kids were all in athletics and everything. Um, but for the most part, I made dinner at home every, almost every night. Um, I am a trained chef. My specialty was Italian. So I made my own pizza dough, my own pasta. 
Um, so the thing is, is those were all made from real ingredients. And we ate a lot of vegetables and a lot of um, fruits and um, a lot of meat. And, but the problem was we were eating a lot of refined carbohydrates and didn't realize that those were not healthy for us. Um, there was a lot of, you know, added sugar in our diets that we didn't realize was there. We were eating protein bars that were not, didn't have great ingredients in them. We didn't know that. We got very, very educated very quickly. So when Keith realized he wasn't having up and down, he was having very um, balanced blood sugar and, um, he, that when that was the trigger for him immediately, like, oh, this this feels great. I'm not yeah. constantly hungry because he was in that still that same thing of like the bodybuilders where they eat six meals a day and they're <laughs> hungry and and what he was what he was doing was just over and over and over again all throughout the day. And so he st that stopped. Um, the other thing that he had was um, what we we believe was hereditary high blood pressure. And so the doctors kept telling him, if you don't get this down, he tried everything, uh, stopped coffee, stopped alcohol, stopped salt, stopped, you, know, you name it, all the, the crap that you do when you're trying to get your blood pressure down. And so he tried all of it, none of it worked. And um, so he, um, as soon as he went paleo, one of the things he noticed, he gave blood, his, they did a blood drive at his, um, where he worked every 58 days and every 58 days Keith gave blood and when they came to do the draw the blood they would do his blood pressure then they would lecture him about his blood pressure and then they would draw his blood well after he had been paleo for several weeks um it, the time came for him to give blood well he they took his blood pressure and the woman walked away and was getting the stuff to do you know do his blood draw and he goes hold on what, what was my blood pressure and she goes, it was 120 over 80. And he goes, are you? She said, and of course now she's getting a little irritated. Yes, I'm sure. And he's fine taking it again. And she said, fine. And she was not happy about it. She took his blood pressure again. And she goes, see, 120 over 80. Well, that's when he realized, oh, this was diet related. Yeah. And he's never had high blood pressure ever again since. So he stayed paleo. What was interesting is he was, when he was talking to uh, Art and Rob, of course, Rob is celiac. So Rob was talking a lot about celiac and every, all the symptoms matched mine. Every single time I ate, I would be in hellacious pain. I would feel awful. I would have brain fog. I was, um, constantly felt like crap, had back aches, you know, everything going that could, I had been diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome, IBS, fibromyalgia, early onset rheumatoid arthritis, and um, I had migraines since I was 17. So I was just in really bad shape. And so um, Keith kept saying, hey, I think you might have the celiac thing. You should probably get it checked out, blah, 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 blah. Now he's not one to beat you over the head with any so this was over a, almost a year. And what was interesting is during the time, during all that time, if I made anything for dinner that he could not eat, he would make his own dinner. Wow. And so we're having a family party, whatever. I think it was one of the kids' birthdays. There was, I was making pizza and pasta and the whole thing because that was always their favorites. And so there he is making his own dinner. And I looked at him and I said, you're like never going to have my pizza or pasta again, are you? And he said, no. And he said, and I really think you have celiac and you really should get it checked out. So I decided at that point I would do that. So I went to the doctor, they tested me 
of course, at that time, particularly, they didn't test for the right antibodies, so I came back negative, but my doctor was really convinced by my symptoms that I probably did have some form of celiac so or gluten issue, and so he wanted to do a biopsy. And I kid you not, while he's talking to me about cutting into my colon, he's literally <laughs> falling asleep. I'm oh not working. He's falling asleep. And I'm thinking, well, first of all, you're like the last person I'd let cut into me. But why? <laughs> why would I do that? Why don't I just like remove the shit from yeah. my diet and see how I can? And so, <laughs> so I, um, I literally removed everything from my diet became paleo. Um, and uh, sugar was a hard thing for me. That took me a lot longer. It took me six months to completely break myself of sugar. Sure. But, um, but everything else, all the added sugar, all of that, it was, it was, um, Dr. Pepper's that I was, I was addicted to. It took me six months to wean myself from Dr. Pepper's to nothing and all, and all sugar from my coffee to nothing. Sure. And so, um, and I moved to, you know, coconut palm sugar at the time. Well, first it was raw sugar. And then, then when coconut palm sugar kind of came on the scene, I started using that because I, uh, that helped. And so, um, but what was interesting is I, um, literally three weeks after I was paleo, all of my symptoms were all gone. Everything was gone. And I went in and I got checked and it turns out, and anybody that knows anything about rheumatoid arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis is not something that goes away. It goes into remission. I had zero sign of rheumatoid arthritis. So they misdiagnosed me. Wow. And, and I believe diagnosis for just about everybody in my family because they all, they all have been diagnosed with it as well. And so I didn't have that. The other side effect was um, so we're about six weeks into paleo. You know, when you are on a sad diet, particularly women, we yo-yo. We do this yo-yoing, um, the dieting yo-yo thing. You have all kinds of, all manner of um, clothes sizes in your in your closet, right? So I had anything from a six to a 12 in my closet. And I, just like any other time, I didn't notice that my clothes size was going down. It just was something that that was normal for me. And so we had not seen uh, our son played um, select baseball and he had been out of season for about 12 weeks. So we hadn't seen any of the parents for about 12 weeks. And I'm about six weeks into paleo at this point. And we go to the first game and I see all the parents and they're like, oh my God, you look amazing. What have you been doing? Like, you've lost so much weight. You look so healthy. You look so vibrant. You look so, all of these things they were telling me. And I was just like, I hadn't been doing anything. I mean, I had not been eating. I had just been doing paleo. Right. No was tracking, so easy. no restriction. No yeah. No restriction. I was never hungry. In mm -hmm. fact, I was a lot less hungry because I was being far more satiated. Nourished. So I, it was, yes. And so it was this, that was my light bulb moment. Cause let me just tell you three weeks after being paleo and all of my symptoms for everything being gone, IBS, fibromyalgia, the whole nine yards. And for the first time in my life, having migraines under control, um, I was pissed off because I was like my, you know, I'm a trained chef. My specialty is Italian. I make my own pizza and pasta. I was pissed that I had to give up these foods that I love just to be healthy. Yeah. And I was kind of in denial because I kept thinking it somewhere I'm going to figure out how to put this stuff back into my diet. And, um, what really ended up ultimately happening for me is that moment 
of those people recognizing that I had done nothing, but I looked really healthy and I looked really good. And I was into back down to a size six again, was the moment that I realized, oh shit, this is information that could help people. Yeah. Like, do anything. I didn't have to starve myself. I didn't have to do some wacky diet where I was measuring everything. I didn't have to, I didn't have to do any of that. I just ate when I was hungry. What a concept, right? So at I, that soccer game, did people look at you like you had three heads when you told them what you did? <laughs> I mean, what was the, how well, did people I respond? Them, yeah. I just told them I've been doing this paleo thing and I said, and it's so easy. And they were like, wow. Okay. So tell us, you know, what that is. And so right. we started no one really, you know, it wasn't like, I think the only thing that kind of people questioned for, at that point in time was, you know, we lived in the Bible Belt, so you got a lot of Christians, so there was this whole idea about evolution and that we aren't meant to be eating this stuff. And, and you know, there's there's this belief that evolution and, you know, you know um, uh, intelligent design cannot coexist. Right, right. <laughs> reality, they do exist. They both <laughs> exist. They coexist. And I believe that they are not mutually exclusive. Right. And so I believe... Um, that that was probably one of the overthink the only things that I had to overcome with people was the whole idea about that we are evolutionarily and biologically not me meant to be eating the foods that we're currently eating. Yeah. And so that's about the only, you know, blowback I ever got was that and um, kind of overcame that pretty quickly. But it was an interesting thing. So that, and it's funny because Keith says that's the day a paleo evangelist was born. And that's, <laughs> I mean, I was a food writer. I, I developed recipes for a number of different websites. And um, I was continuing to do that even after I was paleo and continuing to create, you know, pasta dishes and you name it and stuff with refined carbohydrates. And once uh, that that moment that light bulb went off for me, I stopped. I created my own website and I stopped doing, I stopped writing for anybody else and realized that this was something that, that could help people. And so that's, that's really how it started. But the real backstory of Pillow FX is, you know, um, I know that y'all are aware about, of our daughter, um, Brittany. Um, she was killed uh, a little over nine and a half years ago in a car accident. And, um, when we realized what what an impact she had made in her very, very short life. She was killed three days before her 23rd birthday and a week before her college graduation. Um, we just realized we needed to carry on the legacy that she had changed a lot of people's lives. And um, one of the things that we questioned was, okay, she was a worship and music ministry major. She was planning to be a missionary and was going to be a minister. And, you know, her gifts were music and worship and ministry and prophecy. And she was a gifted musician and singer. And those were definitely not me and Keith's gifts. Right? <laughs> so we had to really figure out what are our gifts that we can operate in that we can help change lives. And our, our gifts were food and nutrition and fitness and wellness and health. And we decided that was how we were going to carry on Brittany's legacy. Awesome. And so was that, did you guys have a conversation of the aha? So you transitioned your own lifestyles into paleo and then how many years did it take in the building of the first paleo effects and, and kind of on that ride home, you know, is that when you guys had that, like, this is it, this is the calling, this is whatever it is, we're going to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually 
when when the opportunity came up in 2011 we had attended the ancestral health symposium which is mm -hmm. um, kind of a sister symposium it is decidedly academic paleo fx is decidedly not academic and the reason for that is that we both need to coexist is that uh you know we had clients in our gyms and um and that we were working with and at the end of the day they all are kind of indifferent to the science they're happy these science exists but if they don't know how to use the science in their daily life and how to put that into practice, then it really doesn't matter to them. That's really irrelevant. So, um, you know, Keith and I like to geek out on the science of paleo and what the next, you know, the next big thing that's coming out of research and that type of thing. We love hearing about all of that, but our clients want to know what do I put in my mouth and when? Yeah. <laughs> what do I do? Do I lift? Do I run? Do I bicycle? Do I, you know, what do I do cardio? Do I do strength training? Do I do CrossFit? What do I do? And when do I do that? That's what they want to know. They want to know the, the, you know, where the rubber meets the road, where theory becomes practice. So that's what they wanted. That's what we realized. That's what people want. They, they, and that's what was missing and what they needed. So when that opportunity came up and we saw that that's what was needed, we were like, okay, this is, this is our opportunity to, to carry on Brittany's legacy. This is the opportunity to, to keep this going. What's interesting is, is that we haven't really told that story about Brittany until this last year um, because, honestly, it's, it's a tough one. Um, it's something that we've come to a lot of peace about within the last few years in doing plant medicines. And so it was really hard for us to go there. Um, Surprisingly, I was able to get through it at Pillow this last year. We decided we were going to go ahead and tell the story. We, we actually weren't even prepared for it. We okay. decided on Friday night we were going to tell the story on Saturday morning. And our entire team was like, what? Like, we, we didn't prepare for this. And then we were like, we were like look, we're just, we're just going to tell the story. We, just, we know what it is, so we don't need to prepare. And they were like, all right. So we just, you know threw up a bunch of pictures of her and decided that we were going to start telling the story. How pillow effects actually really came to pass. Obviously we saw a need and we filled it. That was, that was the fundamental part of it, but there was a very spiritual and soulpreneurish whole reason for why we were going to do pillow effects. And that was to extend our daughter's legacy in the world. It gives me, it gives me goosebumps and it's a, it's a like lightning bolt charge that's out of body. I think, um, that, you know, what a compelling force to have beyond, like you said, the purpose and the need and, and filling the void. And, and when you were talking about it being experiential for people that are listening that haven't attended paleo effects, I think that that's one of the most just not not just unique, but but a really amazing collaborative conference because it's viable and it's moving. And there's I mean there's there's your main speaking room. There's stages in, intertwined within vendors, and there's movement and there's functional activity. And it's just this buzz. It's like a very strong charge of water, if you will, of of waves and movement. And um, it, it's really a an impressive um, experience. And I, I would really highly encourage listeners to, if they haven't been, definitely check it out this next year. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, even being the owner, I'm obviously can be a little biased, but um, 
we are told this all the time that the probably the best part about PillowFX is the people, is the, all the networking, is the opportunity to connect with other people and to become a tribe. And yeah. that and there's nothing like that feeling of being there because um, you can watch it on live stream and you can see video of it, but it's not the same as being there because the physical energy, like you said, is palpable. You, mm -hmm. you can feel it when you're there and you, it's just a, a completely different experience than seeing it. Awesome. So you've referenced Michelle a couple times about work with plant medicine and um, I know a part of your growth or shift of, of your vision or, or your role as an entrepreneur or solopreneur was rooted in psychedelic experience. Can you share a little bit in this? Have you always been a seeker of alternative consciousness? Is, is this something that came up? How did it come about and um, what kind of breakthrough did you experience? Um, well, okay, so we, we decided to have a shaman um, panel at Paleo FX in 2013 or 14. I can't remember now. I'm sorry. Um, it was either 13 or 14. I don't remember. Um, we started <clears throat> really kind of looking at some of that and understanding that some of the highly evolved evolution of man came from the use of psychedelics. And that um, we, if you look at the history of, of particularly technology and how it's grown at warp speeds, the only answer for that is psychedelics. I mean, that's really truly the only answer for it. Um, because we, you know, we're, we come from, you know, ultimately farming, all of that, all of the different technologies that have come through the years and evolved into what you see now. And now, I mean, our technology is moving at warp speed. You get an iPhone today and it's, it's obsolete tomorrow or it's obsolete <laughs> yeah. when it gets, you know, it's just that that's how technology is moving so fast at this point. And when you look at you know, some of the people who have pushed along that technology, they all have used psychedelics. Steve Jobs has used psychedelics. Um, uh, quite a few of, um, of the big names in technology now, and I'm going to leave those alone so that, you know, you can do your own research and find them. <laughs> right. Yeah. You have to out them. Out anyone, yeah. <laughs> Steve Jobs is known has been known that, the, that this was something that he did do. He did use psychedelics. And the thing is, is that when you are at a higher consciousness, you are able to clear all the bullshit and you're able to operate in a creativity and in a space that is so far above where we're all physically at right now. And so when we started seeing this and really, and, and actually talking to people who had done plant medicines and for their own personal growth and experience, we realized it was something that we needed to, we needed to experience ourselves. So um, Keith and I have been involved in plant medicine since 2015. And, um, and honestly, I have to say it wasn't that, um, it was something that I, I had curiosity about. Now it's something I know that my life is completely different because of, and that I could not, I couldn't be the same person I am today. And I also could not be, as um i would not be i don't think paleo effects would still exist if i hadn't started plant medicines 
because I think I would have still been so much in the way of the growth of this business that it would not have, it wouldn't have happened. It just wouldn't have happened. So, um, I, um, I've been able to get out of the way of pillow effects and of myself to be able to allow a team to continue to make pillow effects evolve. And so, uh, I can only say that it was completely life-changing and that it's something that's going to be a part of my life from now going forward, probably forever. Um, I think that you have to be called to it. I, I don't think that it's for everybody. Um, not that, not like, this is, this is only for us cool people. That's not what I mean. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I don't think exclusive like that. I think that it's, it's the way that it's exclusive is if you're not being called to it, don't just go do it because you heard it's the thing to do. I believe when you approach, and I did a lot of research before we went and did this, mm -hmm. when you approach any plant medicine, it should be with reverence. It should be with full intention. Um, and it should be with gratitude and with humility and respect. You cannot, if you approach it in any other way, you're not going to get the full benefit of what that plant can do for you emotionally, physically, spiritually, um, and mentally and relationally. You're not going to get any of that if you don't approach it in a way that is with respect. If you are approaching it in a recreational way, you're right. going to get what you, you're going to get what you get. And it might not all, and, and this is the thing, you're going to get what you get no matter what, how you do it or how you approach it. You're going to get what you need from it if you approach it with reverence and respect and humility. You're going to probably not get what you want if you approach it in a recreational way. And so I don't believe um, that any of these medicines should be used for recreational use. I believe that they need to be used for the purpose that they were intended, which is to reach higher consciousness, to expand our hearts, to expand our minds, our creativity, and our ability to have love and compassion for other people. And um, the thing is, is that one, the very first lesson I got when I um, did Aya the very first time was that I am not in control of anything. Mm. <laughs> I am not in control of anything. The only thing that I can somewhat control is whether or not I react or I respond to anything that happens to me. And reaction is knee jerk. It's, you know, thoughtless. It, there's nothing you just, it's just reaction. Response takes um, mindfulness and intention and, and gratitude and, and acceptance. And so so I think those are the two key things is that we only can control how we react or we respond to something. That's it. And actually, I don't even know that you can control reaction. Reaction just happens. Right. But you can control your response. And if you control your response, that is where you are actually putting into the world the things that you want to see ripple out. You're actually responding with care and concern and mindfulness and intention. And you're not wanting to put things out into the universe that are going to be negative or that are going to, because at the end of the day, the second thing that I got was we are all connected. Mm -hmm. Every single one of us is connected in some way. 
and um, and it doesn't everything that you do end up ends up ultimately affecting the the entire whole. Even if you only do something to yourself, you're still affecting the entire whole. So that's where I know that this will be a part of my life for forever. Um, and that it's something that I believe is probably the most profound change in who I am as a human being and to other human beings. And I'm sure even equally more powerful with the positioning of your entrance, having experienced loss and that, that shedding of ego and connection and control all in one, allowing that be of you to be, be, be bigger, be stronger, be louder, be authentic. And that, that unfurling, if you will, um, really powerful. Yeah, it, it, it has been. And so I do um, highly recommend it for people who believe that they have something more to give and they, they can't figure out why that's not happening for them. I can tell you, you'll find it here probably more than likely. But <laughs> yeah. It's something that's got to call you. You have to be called to this. This is not something you should do just because, oh, it's the thing to do or you heard that so-and-so went to Peru and is doing, you know, ayahuasca or whatever. Um, you know, ayahuasca has been the plant of choice for both myself and Keith. We have microdosed psilocybin for um, creativity and productivity. Um, but at the end of the day, all of that is always done and with respect to what the plants can do for us. And the thing is, is that I, I think that when you approach it that way, you end up getting, you end up getting all you need and more. Yeah. Oh my gosh, so much there. And I think we could have a whole episode of digging <laughs> well, we're into it. We're, we're bringing Michael Collin on. Right? Next yeah. We're getting there. We will go there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Further. That will be amazing. So until we get there, um, you know, it sounds like coming from a place of readiness is certainly the, the first thing. But I think beyond that, you know, for a lot of listeners, this this feeling of seeking or feeling lost might have a big resonance with them. and beyond um, doing psychedelics, what other advice do you have, Michelle, on how to find purpose or how to, to advise on finding purpose? How do you transition a passion into a business? What are your words of wisdom? And I'm sure it's a long um, answer. So you can just give <laughs> one or two little tidbits. Funny you should ask that. I'm getting ready to launch my own project in the next couple of months, which is zero soul and that actually is helping people find that purpose and creating either a passion project or a business from something that they feel very um, strongly about and so I'm actually going to be launching that fairly soon but my, my the big thing I would think before before doing plant medicines or anything like that is is to really start tapping into your own intelligence into your own body and uh, i do that through meditation and one of the things that was probably the most life transforming for me um prior to doing any type of plant medicines was beginning to meditate and really tapping into breath and into my own thoughts and and really um the problem that we have is that we label everything we think good or bad. Mm. And, and things are not that cut and dry. Things are not black and white. And so 
but that's how we operate. This is how our brains function. And we, we, if a thought comes into our head, it's either a good or a bad thought. We don't, we don't just let it be and let it just sit and let it just be what it is and give it no label. Everything for us is either, seems either positive, negative, good, bad, um, you know, uh, evil, whatever the case may be, we, we tend to, to always label everything and give everything those kind of, that kind of meaning. And that was one of the, my lessons is that you are the one that chooses that label and you're the one that's choosing for something to be what it is instead of just allowing it to be and just seeing, seeing what it is. So, um, I'll, I'll just give you a, for instance, so I was having these really strange visions during, during ceremony, and I constantly went into a negative space with those visions. And, I, and I'm not sure why, I just, I was. And so, and they would happen a lot. And we, um, we actually call it Tibetan circus porn in the, in the in Aya ceremony. <laughs> it's this weird, it's this weird visual that comes up and it can, it can sometimes be sexual, not always, but just weird. So it was just this weird thing. And I constantly went into a negative space whenever the would come up. And I finally said one night, why, do, why do you keep putting this in Like, why do I have to keep seeing this? What's the point of this? I mean, it's so negative. And the thing that came back to me was, you're the one that has assigned that label. You're the one that says this is negative. Why do you think that this is negative? What's inside you that makes this negative? Yeah. You have to find that. And so the next night when it came up, I thought, you know what? I'm not going to make it be negative. I'm just going to let it be and see what happens. And it was the most beautiful experience and it has been ever since. Every, every time that it comes up, those visions come up that way. I just enjoy them and see them for the beauty that they are in that moment. And I don't label them good or bad or whatever, but they end up being positive for me instead of negative when they were always negative before. And the thing is that that's what we do in life. In everyday life, we choose to label things negative and positive all day long. So at the end of the day, have you stacked up all the negative or have you stacked up all the positive? And then it's just, and it, it's what in, uh, go into our moods of being either happy or being sad or feeling hopeless or helpless or, you know, just feeling frustrated or feeling like the entire world is against us when th none of that's true. We, it's, it's also, you know, so meditating and really getting into your body and really letting your thoughts just be and not labeling them and just allowing yourself to be in a constant state of positivity or gratitude. That's the other thing is we constantly question why bad things happen to us, but none of us question when something good happens. Yes. <laughs> we believe that we're do that. Well, why, why are we do that? What, what have we done to deserve things to be good all the time. That's not what life's about. In fact, you find almost all of your growth through the things that are bad, through the things that have made you stronger because you had to live through them, kind of like us living through Brittany's death. Sure. I mean, we, I, I, I tell a lot of people this all the time. Once you lose a child, there's no such thing as fear. Uh -huh. It just doesn't exist for you because the worst fear you've ever had in your whole life 
just come true and you have now lived through it. So what could be worse than that? There's not, there's nothing worse than that. Losing another child, obviously, but that's still, I no longer fear that because I know if it came, I could live through it. And I also know that these children are on loan to me. They don't belong to me. Mm. They're, they're mine for this finite amount of time here. And they get to be part of my life. And I get to be grateful for the fact that I ever had any time with them at all. And that's where so much peace came from Brittany's passing was realizing and recognizing that, yeah, it really sucks that she died at, you know, right before her 23rd birthday. It, I would never choose it. But I also know that there's been so much beauty that has come from her passing that has changed so many people's lives and that she continues to change people's lives from beyond. And so that's the, that's the big message is what is it today that you are, you're, you're either labeling good, bad, or in whatever, and how can you change that tomorrow? And how can you continue every single day to try to stay and see everything in the positive? Because at, ultimately positive comes from negative. Yeah, it always does. Darkness cannot make dark darker. <laughs> Goodness. You, I want you to be my Yoda, Michelle. Yeah, right? <laughs> I just want to, I just want to sit next to you and observe all the goodness and vibe it in. <laughs> oh my goodness. We have so much more we want to get into. And I've heard such fabulous, you know, speaking points from you on recognizing your excuses, learning that failure is inevitable. And is this what you plan to bring to the table with the zero gravity project? Let's talk a little bit about what's on the, on going forward for paleo effects and zero gravity and where people can find out more about you. Um, so yeah, so zero gravity soul is going to really be, um, there, it's kind of a two prong thing. Obviously the one piece of it that I've already kind of talked about with finding your passion project or turning a passion into a business. And the other piece of it too is also going into um, how to operate from your feminine in power and in leadership. Because I feel like that thing that's not, um, there's not enough of that information out there. And I think what you're seeing now is, you know, with the Me Too movement and everything, is that women are finally starting to feel very empowered, but at what cost? And how are we getting there? Because the motive of the the mode of of the journey or what have you to get there is very important. Are we getting there through a place of peace and forgiveness and love, or are we getting there through hatred and and excuses and blame and all of that? Because at the end of the day, we're all ultimately responsible for everything that happens to us. Somebody that did something wrong to us, we're mad, we're pissed, we want them to pay, all of those things. But what can we ever just sit down and have some compassion and say, what happened to you that made you decide that this is the person you wanted to be? What happened to you? Can I show you compassion and concern and love and, and feel bad for whatever happened to you that made you end up ultimately choosing this as your life? Oh, and I think beyond business growth, thinking of all the clients we deal with with autoimmune disease and, or as you mentioned, you know, the yo-yo dieting and guilt and shame and just allowing perspective in that sense, regardless of the trauma I think is such a powerful piece of, of self-healing, which is 
you know, a, a huge root of you could try any diet, you could try any supplement, you could try all these things, but if you don't make peace with yourself um, right. or, or, your, or your past, there's this constant disconnect within the soul and, and the body will respond accordingly. I, I completely agree. And I believe that all, all disease ultimately comes from trauma we've stored in our body. Mm-hmm. We're the only species that doesn't have a mechanism for um, ridding our bodies of trauma. Yeah. Animals all, um, they shake. They, I mean, this was something that I thought was really interesting. I'll throw it out there. So I always wondered when I pet my dogs, why do they walk away and shake? Like, I'm like, is my like love not good enough? (laughs) (laughs) What is it that makes them shake when they walk away from me? And what it is, is that you have just excited them and they need to get rid of that inner, that excess energy. Otherwise it gets stored in their body. And I'm like, (laughs) That's freaking cool. So it happens that uh, for all animals, you know, gazelles, particularly, they're very well known for this. If they have been chased down by a tiger and they made it out alive, they will throw themselves on the ground and start shaking to get rid of the trauma and release the adrenaline. Wow. We don't do that. We don't have any, what we do is we stew. We stagnate, Mm, ruminate, (laughs) totally ruminate on everything that happened. We don't let it go. We, we get mad. We have stress. We have tension around the things that piss us off instead of us ever just letting it go. And that's the thing is that when we can let those things go, we actually have true health. We actually have true happiness in our lives. We can't, you can't have happiness when you have. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. So there's that. And then, so Paleo FX is, uh, we're, we're excited about this coming year. We've got a lot of stuff. I'm working on some really cool stuff. Um, new, I wish I could tell you everything right now because it would be so exciting, but um, <laughs> stuff. And so we, we are working on some pretty big name speakers right now. So, cool. uh, so hoping those things come through, we've got obviously got incredible speakers as it is, um, that are already, um, confirmed, but, we're just really excited about this next year and everything that's coming with it. And um, so you can find me at Zero Gravity Soul on um, Instagram and on um, uh, Twitter and on Facebook. Um, on Twitter and Instagram, it is zero, Z-E-R zero Gravity Soul. And then on Facebook, it's just Zero Gravity Soul. And then um, paleofx.com. But, um, yeah, just I'm just excited about what we have going on in this within this next year, and really excited about seeing all that's going to happen in people. Awesome, lives. awesome. Well, it's been a really powerful interview, and I hope listeners can put together how they can tap into their own personal soul and and ethos and mission within their day-to-day business function, as well as, like we said, just their own personal healing journey. So we'll be sure to put links for everything, uh, Michelle. And um, we hope and know that your resources will serve all of our audience. So we'll make sure that they know how to connect. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on so much. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.
Until next time, stay nourished and be well.